The Long Box Crusade presents Action Film Face Off. This episode is 1983 versus 2013. Two films enter. One film leaves. Two men enter. One man leaves. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Action Film Face-Off, the show where two random years are selected. My brother will bring an action film from one of those random years, while I bring an action film from another random year. Then those two films will do battle using a variety of criteria, and a champion will be crowned by the end of this episode. But let me introduce you to one of your hosts, my brother, a U.S. Army combat veteran of Kosovo and Iraq. It is Jason Weasel Skull Brick. Welcome back. Thank you, thank you. Yes, indeed. We're going to score each of today's films on a scale of 1 to 10 in five categories. Those categories are story, overall spectacle, best action scene, the hero, and the villain. And then there will be the deduction round, where up to 10 points can be subtracted from the film's total for whatever we determine is the low point of the movie. Let's find out what this episode's first action film is going to be from my brother and co-host, a U.S. Air Force combat veteran of Iraq, and a combat self-defense instructor, Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist, a.k.a. Death Probe. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Before we meet our contestants, we have a couple items of business to take care of. First of all, how many people out there enjoyed horror film face-off on Halloween? That was fun. I did. That was fun. We enjoyed doing that. I hope you guys enjoyed a little Hitcher, a little Vampirella. That was a fun face-off. And if you remember correctly, we did a listener's raffle in that episode. We're giving away a brand new, still sealed copy of Train to Busan on DVD. If you haven't seen Train to Busan, it's an excellent zombie action flick from Korea. I believe it's a Korean film. And the winner for that is Rick Heineken. Congratulations, Rick. Thanks for listening. Nice. Shipping you that Train to Busan DVD any minute now. With that out of the way, let's take care of just a little bit more business. Before those two films enter that dome and the blood starts to fly, we are thrilled to kick off this episode with special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks who have joined our crusade. They enjoy discounts from my online store, theyardsaleartist.bigcartel.com. Christmas is coming. Original art is a fantastic gift. That's all I'm saying. You also get early access to long box episodes. You get to vote on show programming. You get put in for these raffles. It's a good deal, folks. And here are the fine folks that are reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. We'll start it off with Angelica Wolf. Bill from the Bat Pod. Blasted or Stash It. Bob Busta Busta. Braxton Underwood. David Capuni. David Collins. Bat Bat Battle Wagon. Battle Wagon. Gene Hendricks. Gerald Green. I the Collector. Ivor Evans. Jeremy L. Joe Thomas. John and Maggie. Knows what he did. Hi, Maggie. Jose Poyo. Maxwell Traver. Miranda W. Paul Heeks. Reggie Hancock. Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Ronald Went. Ross Michaud. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Steve Cronin. Tim Price. And Toronto Time Cop. <laughs> Hasn't made it on the show yet, but I hope one day it will. And if we miss anyone on our list, we apologize. Please keep in mind we record these episodes well in advance of release. If you're a recent addition, we'll add you soon. And you can always let us know if we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com. Now, you might be asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? How do I become a Crusaders Club member? <laughs> With that enthusiasm, Jason, it's simple. You head over to Patreon.com, you search Longbox Crusade, or you go to Patreon.com 
forward slash long box crusade for as little as one buck a month you get access to the amazing world of the crusaders club come check it out what's it do for this specific show you could probably see polls go up from time to time where you can help either jason or myself or sometimes maybe even both of us decide what movie we're going to cover on this show that you love so much so you know get involved back to you jason all right thank you jared let's get back to the combat and learn a bit about the film gladiators about to battle for your pleasure yes indeed this episode i was assigned the year of 1983 and i have selected an often overlooked but excellent film called nate and hayes starring michael o'keefe and tommy lee jones what year did the randomizer select for you well, Jared, I got 2013, so I'm putting into our Videodome arena, Star Trek Into Darkness. This one was kind of panned in the Star Trek trilogy by a lot of the fans, so I thought I'd give it a second watch and see what I thought about it mm-hmm. on a second viewing. It starred Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, Carl Urban, and Benedict Cumberbatch. Well, that is a fine matchup on this one, folks. We got uh, pirate captains and spaceship captains, and let's see how that all works out. Now, it's important to point out that this isn't Jared versus Jason. We each had to select a film from our assigned year, so I might very well like his selection better than mine or vice versa. This is all about us discussing some beloved action films, coming to a consensus on which one is this episode's champion. Here's your spoiler warning. If you haven't seen these movies before, this is your chance to pause and go watch them. They're both really good. Not huge plot twists, a little plot twisty in some Star Trek, and a tiny little plot twist in Nathan Hayes, but not huge stuff. But still, if you want to go untainted and you haven't seen these films, now's your chance. Pause it here, and then come back, and we'll get back to the show. Welcome back. Wasn't that fun? Wasn't that fun? You liked that Nathan Hayes, didn't you? Yeah, nobody's Not heard of enough. it. Not enough. <laughs> All right. Let me jump in with some quick info on that 1983 Nate and Hayes. It was a busy year for Bully Hayes and the Reverend Nathan. They met at Queen and had dinner with a king. They fell off a bridge, took to the air, and took on the German Navy. Fire! Have the time of your life with Nate and Hayes. You're going to like it. Rated PG. Your cast and crew is Tommy Lee Jones, Michael O'Keefe, Jenny Seagrove, and Max Phillips. It was directed by Ferdinand Fairfax. I don't know if there's a cooler name than that. FF. What up, y'all? I'm Ferdinand Fairfax. Like a Dr. Seuss character, if I ever heard one. That's right. Ferdinand <laughs> Fairfax flew on a Friday. <laughs> Let me give you the synopsis for Nathan Hayes. First, we have an eccentric, boastful, and utterly charming pirate captain with an equally eccentric and entertaining crew. This group of fun-loving pirates comes across a couple that is soon to be married. The man is very noble and virtuous, and his bride-to-be is quite lovely and charming as well. But she's conflicted with her romantic feelings. Should she stay steadfast with her noble and kind fiancé, or embrace the more adventurous and exciting life of the rogue pirate? And no, this is not a Pirates of the Caribbean film. But it kind of is. But I think the writers of that franchise probably saw this film. Anyway, some bad pirates kidnap the beautiful Sophie and it's up to Captain Bully Hayes and the noble Nathaniel to team up and save her from the clutches of the evil pirates and a dark, mysterious island cult. Seriously, this is not a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. (laughs) Although it could be. What I'm trying to say is I think the Pirates of the Caribbean swiped a lot of stuff from this movie. (laughs) They helped themselves to a little bit of this plot, I think. All right, here's some interesting trivia. Captain Bully Hayes was, in real life, a ship captain called William Henry Bully Hayes, who sailed the South Pacific Seas during the mid-19th century until he was murdered in 1877. So he's based off on a real character. Item number two. And this one I found particularly interesting because as I was watching the film, I was like, they've got some really good sets and set pieces in this film. Like, where did they find all these locations? Well, here's the answer. They built a lot of it. Sets constructed for this movie included an entire Fijian native village, a full Samoan business port of the late 1800s, the transformation of a fishing vessel into a sinister steam-powered German gunboat, rope bridges across dangerous ravines, as well as vicious and lethal sacrificial setups. 
So they built pretty much all the eye candy you see in this movie. And that's That's a good eye candy, too. And it was. Yeah, I particularly I know I'm getting off script, but I I particularly noticed when they pulled into that actual port where they kind of confront Ben Pease and his crew and kind of take him out one by one. Oblige me, Ben. (laughs) I was like, that port looks legit. Where did they find that? They built it. It's amazing. Anyway, final trivia. This one blew me away, folks, so stay with me. The Bully Hayes characters also appeared in one other movie. It was a movie called His Majesty O'Keefe from 1954. This movie stars Michael O'Keefe. This movie called His Majesty O'Keefe also has a character of Bully Hayes, where Charles Horvath played him. That picture's exteriors were also shot in the same South Pacific region as this movie. So that's a lot of coincidence from those two films. We may have to cross-pollinate this over in our Saturday matinee theater when we get to a Oh, yeah. We could watch His Majesty O'Keefe from 1954 Mm -hmm, see what's mm -hmm. up. I'm curious. Well, anyway, you know what I'm curious about? I'm curious about the other contestants. So lay it on me. Mine was 2013 Star Trek Into Darkness. There's greatness in you, but there's not an ounce of humility. You think that you can't make mistakes, but there's going to come a moment. When you realize you're wrong about that, then you're going to get yourself and everyone under your command killed. And it starred Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, Carl Urban, Benedict Cumberbatch, Zoe Saldana, and Simon Pegg. It was directed by J.J. Abrams. And the plot goes something like this. When a terrorist attacks an assembly of Federation officers, killing Kirk's mentor, Captain Pike, the Enterprise and her crew are sent in pursuit. Not as all as it seems, however. After Kirk and his team capture their quarry, they learn that he is the 300-year-old tyrant Khan Noonien Singh. So you should have gone back when we mm. gave you the chance. The spoiler Spoilers. was there. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's why I gave you the warning. What's more, a rogue element in Starfleet is using Khan to start a war with the Klingon Empire. Alone in deep space and with no one to trust, Kirk and his crew are pushed to the brink and the captain learns that no one can cheat death forever. And my little interesting bits of trivia that I discovered was that this was Leonard Nimoy's final role before his death on February 27th, 2015. Rest in peace, Bob. Indeed. Carl Urban wears a pinky ring in the movie in homage to DeForest Kelly, who also wore one in the series and in the films. And if you take a close look at one of the shuttles in the shuttle bay on the Enterprise, you'll see it is named Takei in order of George Takei, the original Sulu. Oh, my. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's like he guessed it on this show. <laughs> and now that we have the basics on today's contestants. Ladies and gentlemen. Test your might. Let's get into this. Round one is the story. Come here! 
How engaging and original is the story? And Jason, I'll let you start off. Give me your thoughts on the story of Nathan Hayes. The story was is pretty basic, kind of a late 19th century rescue mission there off of the Pacific Islands. I thought it was pretty well crafted, though. I liked the characters. It had a good suite of characters for both the villains and the hero sides. And uh, I really liked the South Pacific Sea and the other backdrops that they used throughout the story. So now, although fairly basic at its core, it sprinkled in a lot of interesting elements. What did you think? Same. It's not terribly original at all, but executed well. It was fun to watch. Like you said, swashbuckler. It's a swashbuckler. It is. Save the princess, basically. Except, you know, she's not a princess, but she's real pretty. And she's very likable. (laughs) (laughs) She is very likable, yes. (laughs) So, yeah, again, not going to get a super high score, but that doesn't mean that it's bad. It's a good film. And I'll talk about that when we get to scoring. But first, I want to know what your thoughts are on the story of Star Trek Into Darkness 2013. (sighs) This was a little more complicated for me. It's a retelling kind Mm -hmm. of a Star Trek II. It's an alternative con story. To me, it felt a little bit rushed. And in my research on the film, I saw that the writers wanted to avoid using Khan, wanted to use another character, but the studio was really pressing, I think, to have the Khan character be in the second movie because Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan did so well. Mm -hmm. I think that the writers probably had the right idea. They should have tried something a little more original, but they did put a lot of new angles on it that were kind of interesting. You know, the Kirk Khan team-up was interesting in the story. The role reversal between mm-hmm. Kirk and Spock at the end was kind of interesting. The main problem that I have with this movie is that Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, is one of my favorite sci-fi movies of all time. And the reason why, other than it being a great space action movie, is that it was the Enterprise crew in their later years. They've been together for a long time, and the movie was about trust and friendship, sacrifice, ramifications of actions that you've taken in your youth. Mm-hmm. And now I know I'm going into the Star Trek II Wrath of Khan story, but bear with me for just a moment. There was a scene in that one where Spock was actually in command of the Enterprise, and Kirk was there. He was an admiral, and he was there as an advisor. When they were going into combat, Kirk went to Spock with the intent to tell him he's going to take command of the ship. And Spock before he can even get the words out, says, you know, no, the Enterprise is yours. You take it. You know, basically, you're the best captain. You know, Spock is selfless enough in his role to know what his strengths are and to trust Captain Kirk or Mm -hmm. Admiral Kirk at the time. So to me, that was such a, it was a beautiful story about trust and friendship that had bloomed naturally over the years. Mm-hmm. And then with this one, it just felt forced. It, like they were trying to force so much into this because they really had only been together for one movie for us. It just didn't feel natural to me. And I've rambled on a lot, but I really struggled with this one. So I'll shut up and see what you have to say. Okay. I don't struggle with it nearly as much as you do. I really like the story. I get why some purists and traditionalists make the argument that you made. And, and I think it's completely valid. I guess I'm just able to check that at the door. I think I've done a real good job of ever since they relaunched the franchise, understanding that this is our Star Trek crew. It's an alternate timeline, basically, than what we used to know. And I think they've done a brilliant job with it. And instead of using Khan to cement the relationships over time, they're using Khan to start the relationships on this end of the spectrum. And I'm okay with that. You know, I did feel that the second time around a little bit. I don't know if I was more forgiving of it this time watching it, or I did tell myself, though, well, this is kind of like the first time that they've run in into Khan, where, mm-hmm. you know, so this is kind of more like the classic Star Trek series. Right. The first time that they ran into Khan. So I think I just have uh, such a love affair with Star Trek Rathacon. It was kind of hard for me to decouple. Mm, I understand. I didn't really have that problem. I've talked with other hardcore Star Trek fans about the whole reboot franchise, and some people don't like to reboot at all. And I think that's the problem is you can't decouple, and I don't judge them for that. I just can. Anyway, let's see what the scores have to say, shall we? Okay, let's do it. All right, before we do our scores, just a quick 
reminder of how they work. We go one to 10. Five means it's average. Five means it's good. It's what I expect to see. No bells, no whistles. It's just fine. You go up six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Now you're getting highly complimentary and you go four, three, two, one. It's not so complimentary. <laughs> On a scale of one to 10, Jason, what'd you give the story of 1983's Nathan Hayes? Well, like I said, the story itself was fairly basic, but they add, sprinkled in enough interesting elements for me to but above average and give it a six. Long-time listeners of the show will know that half the fun of the show is finding out how many times Jason and I are going to have the exact matching score, having grown up in the same household, watching the same movies. I scored it a six. Oh, I, you know, <laughs> if I would have bet, I would have thought you would have scored it a little higher than me on this one. I got homerism for this. Peek behind the curtain, folks. When Jason and I were kids, our parents were very no frills. No cable TV, only network. And then we got Showtime for free for like three months one summer. It was like a promotion. And so we took the old VHS recorder, recorded movies. And this is one of the movies we recorded was Nate and Hayes. And so Jason and I had that VHS when we moved to Germany where we only had one channel anyway. And we watched it over and over and over. I've probably seen this movie 20 times. Yeah, yeah, me too. (laughs) And I love it. But I will be honest, the story is very basic. It's a good story, but it's slightly above average. So it's a six for me and Jason. All right. (laughs) (laughs) For both of us. Let's see if our scores match once again in Star Trek Into Darkness. What do you got? Well, like I said, I struggled with this one a little bit. And when I originally sat down and wrote out my score, I gave it a six. But I thought about it and I liked what the writers tried to do. They didn't land all the time, but they made the movie interesting enough that I gave it a seven. Batten down the hatches, folks, because I also scored it a seven. Really? (laughs) Yep. I thought it was very, very good. I think they nailed characterizations well, and that's the thing you've got to get right in Star Trek. That's what sells Star Trek. That's what makes Star Trek a top-notch sci-fi franchise. Is not the sci-fi part, but it's the humanity. It's the friendship. It's the military camaraderie. It's the leadership that you see from the different characters at different times. Anyway, I could go on and on, but I think this one lands at a seven too. So we're completely matched sixes and sevens and round one. And I'll, I'm going to tell you the part that sold it for me to push it over to a seven was um, the relationship between Captain Pike and Captain Kirk. Yep. Uh, yep. That, that still hit me when he dies. That was brilliant writing and brilliant performances between the actors. Yes. I know I'm going to go on and on, but one of my favorite things about this new trilogy is we are seeing the crew when they're young. So you can see how certain seeds are planted that will almost lead to what we've seen from older Kirk and older Spock. And I think they run that parallel really well. They do. Having said that, let's take it into uh, round two. And that's all you, my friend. Okay. I guess we're going to talk about some heroes. Hasta la vista, baby. So how cool are the heroes in Nate and Hayes, Jared? They're pretty cool. They have a good, good group of heroes in this film, and it all starts with Tommy Lee Jones's captivating performance as Bully Hayes. Tommy Lee Jones, a lot of people don't remember that he had a career before the 90s. He kind of blew up in the 90s and became a big-name actor with Men in Black and Men in Black. And the Fugitive. <laughs> Thank you. The Fugitive, where he won an Academy Award. But he had a career in the 80s, and this is a jewel in his crown. His performance as Bully Hayes, the whole movie hinges on it. It's really good. By the way, Michael O'Keefe, who you may remember from the Caddyshack movie, the original Caddyshack movie, actually does a really good job. We talked about how the actress Jenny Seagrove was utterly charming. So we've got a really good trio of characters helmed by Bully Hayes, as done by Tommy Lee Jones. His crew is made up of really interesting, they, they don't have a lot of parts, little small parts here and there, but interesting character designs as far as their look, interesting quirks and characteristics. It's The, the skull peg leg is really cool. The skull peg leg. What was that guy's name? The guy, his first mate, Mr. Blake. Blake, yes. Mr. Blake is very funny as well. He's sort of the straight-laced one. And then he got the uh, slip, God's truth. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Is his name Ratbag? Ratbag. <laughs> Ratbag. There's a guy named Ratbag. 
So you have this very, very eclectic group of folks and one super charming hero in Bully Hayes, and I'll pass it to you. I think you hit the nail right on the head. I think Tommy Lee Jones really kind of carries the film. Not that Michael Keefe did a bad job, but Tommy Lee Jones, to me, was by far the most interesting and charismatic character. It kind of ties into the story a little bit, how the two heroes are kind of rivals, rivals for the uh, affections Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. of the lady there, but they kind of turn into friends, and it feels natural, and it kind of blends into a nice little buddy pirate movie there. So so yeah, I really enjoyed the heroes and Nate and Hayes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like I've seen some other pirate-oriented movie that takes that same tag. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> what did you think about the heroes in Star Trek Into Darkness? Uh, what is there that we can say? It's Spock, and it's Kirk, and it's McCoy as your big three. And then of course you've got Scotty and Chekhov and Sulu and Uhura. Actually, they do a lot more with Uhura in this movie than they've used her in movies past. And when you got Zoe Saldana, why wouldn't you? Right. So the ensemble cast is straight up killer. They cast each and every one of those people perfectly. In my opinion, the only one, and I'm talking about the the second franchise altogether. The only one that I've kind of, eh, I like him. He's okay. Is the Chekhov guy. I feel like he's almost doing a caricature of Chekhov. And then again, Walter Koenig was kind of doing a caricature as well. So it fits. And I like him. Even though I'm calling him the weakest link, I still like him. I think he's very good. So it only goes up from there. I think these are well cast, well acted. They're playing the parts to a T. The writers gave him great stuff. Uh, look for a high score. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think the casting was excellent for this, for all the roles. I mean, I wrote down in here that, man, Zachary Quinto, he was born to play Spock, man. Mm-hmm. He, was, he is just fantastic. He looks then, like him. He does, man. <laughs> he looks just like him. I mean, he's got the mannerisms all down. Chris Pine does a wonderful Captain Kirk. It's just a good blend. And you're right. Like with the her, they actually do a little bit more with the character in these movies, which is fun. Yeah, I don't know what else to say, except it's just a great crew. 100%. Let's score them. Let's start with Nathan Hayes. What are you going to give the score for the heroes of Nathan Hayes? Um, I'm going to give it overall a seven, and most of that seven is Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, no slight on the other people. They're great, but he is the beacon. He is fun to watch. Like I said, people, if you didn't know he had a career back in the 80s and the early 80s, watch this movie. Especially if you're a Tommy Lee Jones fan, you're going to like it. What about you? Uh, We're running still neck and neck. I gave it a seven as well. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the most uninteresting, non-controversial discussion. Uh, I think this is like scoring like gymnasts here. You know, like our (laughs) scores aren't off that much. (laughs) Like the Olympic guys. Yeah. yeah. There's like the East German judge. Five or something. So what about In the Darkness? What'd you give the heroes there? Dang near perfection and near perfection is a nine. I gave them a nine. Uh, I gave a little bit less there. Gave it an eight. Ooh, ladies and gentlemen, the scores are starting to separate. (laughs) Well, there's a couple things that I did not like. Now, Uh I'll go into it. The line where Kirk tells Spock that they need somebody who knows what they're doing in that chair. And that's not me. That's you, Spock. Mm-hmm. That's not Captain Kirk, man. In any reality, that's not Captain Kirk. Okay, I'll defend that position. Go ahead. What he was saying, in my opinion, was we need someone who knows what they're doing at this moment in this situation. I have my emotional things I need to go do. And I need you to be the level-headed captain right now. That's how I read it. Okay, well, <laughs> I respectfully disagree with you. So You're right, though. I mean, Captain Kirk is like the captain. He doesn't hand it over to people very often. Nah, didn't feel right to me. Didn't feel right to me at all. All right. Anyway, so let's talk about villains. You kick it off, Jared. All right, yep. Round three is the villain. Is that your best? How menacing or entertaining is your villain? This is a category that I think more action films should pay attention to because great villains make great films. Weaker villains, if you try to cut corners on a villain, you don't get a great film. Nope. So let's talk about the villain in Nathan Hayes. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to sway anybody, but I thought this performance was surprisingly good and memorable, but it's not for me to talk about. It's for Jason to talk about. So go ahead. So let's talk about Ben Pease. (laughs) Oblige me, Ben. (laughs) 
Uh, ben Pease was cool as F, man. He, I, that was, I'm sorry. I really liked that villain. He was entertaining. He's great. He was, he was humorous. Weasley. He was, he Weasley. Yeah, that's the word. Weasley. Man, I enjoyed the heck out of him. Why haven't I seen more of that actor? Who, that's what I said. What else has he been in? Because, I mean, that guy was really, really good. His best credit, other than this, just with a quick internet search, is, was Mad Max Part 2. Was that Road Warrior? I think so. Yeah, Mad Max Part 2, Road Warrior. He was in that, 1981. Nice. But yeah, why hasn't he broken out more? I was thinking that exact same thing as I was watching. I was like, this guy's really good. <laughs> He's really talented, man. He was, he was just funny. The other main villain was the German Count. Mm-hmm. I thought he was kind of a little bit ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> he was a good actor. He was funny as well. Mm-hmm. But when it came time for the final matchup at the end between Bully Hayes and the Count? Nah. Yeah. I'm, nah. I'm not buying that that Count was going to last five seconds against Bully <laughs> no. Hayes, man. No. Nah. That's kind of my summary of the villains. I thought one was pretty good and the other one was really good. Yep, I concur. All right, let's talk about Khan over in Star Trek Into Darkness. Benedict Cumberbatch did a great job as Khan. Mm-hmm. The other villain of the story was Admiral Marcus. And I wish we could have seen more of Peter Weller's backstory on that. Well, he was a Detroit cop who got... <laughs> <laughs> you know where this is going. I can't even get he's to this He's a joke. cop. He's a robocop. <laughs> <laughs> He was a good RoboCop, dude. But he was interesting as a villain. I would have liked more of the backstory, more of his motivation. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of like a lot of superhero movies where in your first superhero movie, you've got your hero going against a main villain, like Spider-Man versus Green Goblin, right? And then for some reason, as the movies go on, they feel like they need to keep adding villains. And so it felt like we had two villains in this movie. We had Khan, who was cool, and we had Admiral Marcus, who's as played by Peter Weller, is very cool. I would have liked to see the movie dedicated to one of the two. I think either one deserved full limelight as a villain. You know, as we're talking through this, part of my problem with this movie is I think if we would have just had Marcus as the villain, you could have told this whole story, taken the con element out of it all together, replaced that with some good backstory with Marcus and a good head-to-head between Kirk and Marcus. That would have been as good or better of a story. Not Mm -hmm. saying that Benedict Cumberbatch did a bad job. He was absolutely fantastic. And Khan actually reminded me of an evil Captain America, you know, thought out 300 years later. Good point. It's his nature. He's like a predator. You can't. What he was designed for. Right. You can't even. It's like getting mad at a tiger for, you know, you know, for being a tiger. Yeah. (laughs) He is what he is. So, yeah, again, I'm I'm a little bit conflicted. Both actors did a great job. I thought there was one too many villains in this story. Yep. I agree. Well, let's go ahead and score it, man. Let's go back to Nathan Hayes and the highly underrated Ben Pease, as played by the underrated Max Phillips. One to ten. You know, I thought he hung right up there with Tommy Lee, so I'm giving him a seven as well. <laughs> yes. Match game. I'm giving him a seven <laughs> as well. I Like I said, I went on and on about Tommy Lee's performance as a very strong seven, and same thing with Max Phillips as Ben Pease. If he was here, he would probably say something like he wouldn't piss for a seven. Yeah. But... <laughs> What would you? Never mind. You couldn't afford it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll get you, Island. Anyways, we'll do the whole script if you let us. We would. Let's go to Star Trek Into Darkness, working with what they had. Marcus, Khan, you scored an A. You know what? At the end of the day, they both did above average jobs. I gave them a seven as well. Well, folks, here we are. Match game. Once again. Seven. So we've only had one point difference. We're halfway through the battle and we only had one point difference in our scorecards through everything. So yeah, Jason, I have very similar appreciation for film, but let's see what happens in the spectacle round. Well, we're going to talk about spectacle. How visually engaging is the film overall? The stunts, the effects, the cinematography, etc., etc. What did you think about the spectacle on Nathan Hayes, Jared? I'm going to tip a little bit of cards right now and tell you that spectacle is my highest scored category of this film. They show you the beauty of the Pacific. Those sets I talked about, they built all those sets. The ships are great. The sets are great. The action is very, very fun. This movie is very much in that reactionary period to Raiders of the Lost Ark success. Mm -hmm. And they make good use of it. There's a ton of Raiders of the Lost Ark clones that come out in the early 80s. This one is a cut above. 
Everything looks good. You know, if I had to fix one thing about it, I would say they needed to maybe spice up the action scenes a little bit, although they were good. They were solid. Most of the points coming here are coming off of the visuals, the environments, and I got a note here with an exclamation point next to it because, you know, I've got an ear for these things. The movie score, man, the guy who scored this was talented. The music is really good. Fits the picture really well. I like to listen to it, whether I'm watching the movie or just listening to the score by itself. Fantastic work. That's my thought on the spectacle. What do you say? Well, like you, I thought that the action scenes were solid, not overly spectacular, nothing that I hadn't really seen before. But I did love the backdrops like you were talking about. I love the gunboat design. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, was it Penapi? Was that the name of the island? Yes, yes. That was really cool. I thought when I was a kid, I was like, wasn't this, it was terrifying. Oh, yeah. The way they did it with all the fog and the way the architecture looked. And then as an adult, I watched, I was like, yeah, it's still pretty scary. (laughs) And you know how, like, sometimes they make natives look kind of silly or whatever? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. those natives looked frightening as hell, man. Mm -hmm. They were freaky. I don't know what their budget was, but they stretched it and got every dollar out of it. Yeah, the money is on the screen, folks. It's going to get a little bump up for me because, you know, they did that uh, bridge, that chopping mm-hmm. the bridge thing uh, before Temple of Doom. I just yes. throw that out there. Yes, <laughs> yes. I'm glad you said that. Early on in this film, Bully Hayes, suspension bridge, just like Temple of Doom, chops it, swings, blah, blah, blah. Same thing. Almost exact same thing as Temple of Doom. Yeah. So and maybe Pirates of the Caribbean weren't the only ones watching that. <laughs> and funny story, I'm sitting there watching it with my family for action film face-off because I put them through most of this stuff. And I'm like being kind of snarky. I'm like, oh, they're stealing from Temple of Doom. And then I like my brain churned on it for about 12 seconds. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I clicked pause, went back into my Plex menu, and I was like, 1983? Well, well, well. <laughs> Who's stealing from whom here? <laughs> yes, very cool. I'm glad you brought that up. Well, let's talk about spectacle from Star Trek into darkness. There's a little bit. Whew. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is spectacle. One thing that I will give J.J. Abrams infinite credit for is making Star Trek as visually exciting as I think it can possibly be. When you're a kid, you kind of like Star Wars better because it's more action-packed and Star Trek's more of a thinking man show. Yeah, who wants to think? Yeah, I know, right? But as you grow older, you get more of a respect for the thinking man show. And then it's like J.J. Abrams is like, screw it, I could do both. (laughs) And he does. It's amazing. I love everything about it. I'm going to bring up the music again. I'm going to bring up the special effects are amazing. The new twists they put on the old things. Just the way that they move when they go into warp drive is freaking cool. Everything about it is cool. That one actress in her underwear. Awesome. (laughs) It's spectacle. Uh, (laughs) It counts. That lady played Carol Marx was very, very pretty. She was very pretty. But anyway, the makeup job on the aliens... Yeah, I mean, we can make fun of him for lens flares all we want, but man, you don't take your eyes off it, and that's spectacle. Back to you. <laughs> yeah, I thought the sets from the alien planets were fantastic. Kronos looked amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the set designs. They somehow managed to catch the original feel of the Enterprise and bring it into modern day with really cool set designs. And then there's, like you were saying, there's just a nice blend of adventure, action, fist fights, blaster duels, space battles, a tense action, problem-solving scenes. It's just a good blend of everything that makes Star Trek great. So, yeah, you expect a pretty good score for me on this one. Let's score them. What'd you give the spectacle for Nathan Hayes? I gave it an eight. I think everything looks great. It feels right. It looks beautiful and it sounds beautiful. So I gave it an eight. Well, this is one I scored a little bit lower. I landed on a seven with it. I can see where you were you an eight, but you know, the action scenes were just a little crisper. Yeah. I would have scored a little higher. I will say though, like one thing I did like is the fight scenes. They were kind of realistic, like that scene where Bully Hayes comes jumping out of the alley and just like throws all his weight behind that punch and leaves that guy. <laughs> yeah, that was good. You know, I and I'll fully admit that there's probably a bonus point in there for my homerism for this movie. But you're right. We have that really cool guy on the crew who was like an Asian sword master, but we don't really ever get to see him do Asian sword master things. <laughs> you get to see it a little bit, a little man. bit. Although that was pretty cool when Bully asked him, when they were kind of picking off Pease's men one by one, he just asked him, how many? And he holds up his blood-covered hand with his three fingers. Like, yeah. 
He didn't even say anything. He's basically said, I just killed three dudes. You know, it was that pretty anyway, that I, good. I love Nate and Hayes. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. Spectacle for Star Trek Into Darkness. What'd you give it? Ten. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's that, a was... ten. If I'm wired tight to your movie from top to bottom, front to back, and I'm not picking up my phone, you're getting a ten, and it gave me a ten. I went just a little bit lower. I gave it a nine. I think that's perfectly fair. One of the big things, and I'm sure people who have listened to the show for our, what, 16 episodes now have picked this up about me. I will award bonus points for really good music. Musical scores, my ears just tune into them. Both these movies were strong in that department. You're right, especially with Nate and Hayes during the action scenes with that mm-hmm. score. That was really good. Mm. I want to go out and buy the score to Nate and Hayes now. It's probably hard to find. <laughs> probably. <laughs> The movie's hard to find, I can tell you. It is, yeah. The DVD itself is hard to find. But hey, I think that does it for the spectacle round. (laughs) (laughs) Woo, that's a good spectacle. I'll bring us into round five. Tiger uppercut! Round five is best action scene. These movies had a lot to choose from, so we're going to find out what Jason's favorite action scene and my favorite action scene are from both movies, and then we'll score them on one to ten. If you're going to be on Action Film Face-Off, you better bring some good action scenes. So what'd you pick from Nathan Hayes, Jason? Give us the breakdown. Basically, there were four breakdowns right. that I picked here. One I titled Never Do Business with Women. That's yep. the opening scene. Not politically correct, but he is quoting from the film. That is from the film. <laughs> Number two, I titled So Long Sailor. And that's where they picked <laughs> off all the people, all of Mr. Pease's men in the yeah. port there. Number three, I titled Not Enough. And that was the rescue of the lady from the tribe there. And then the last one I called Battle on the Battleship, where they boarded the battleship and, you know, killed everybody. Like the Germans. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So those are the ones that I picked there. I picked Battle on the Battleship. I thought Battle on the Battleship was the coolest, particularly when all of the German elite swordsmen came out and uh, Nate and Hayes were fighting all those guys. I thought that was really cool. Oh, yeah. I had obviously the same four scenes to pick from. And when I finished this movie, I liked them all so equally. I looked to my 13-year-old son, Jordan, and I said, I can't pick. I said, you pick. You pick. You tell me what I'll bring the action real face off. And he picked Battle on the Battleship. All right. So we we were in agreement on that. And we'll come back and score that in a minute. But first, I want to know what your favorite action scene was from Star Trek Into Darkness. Okay. Well, there were some more there. Action scene number one, I called Spock versus the Volcano at the very opening. That was good. Action scene number two, I titled You Shot My Meeting Minutes when (laughs) when Khan attacks the meeting. (laughs) Let's take a 10 minute break. (laughs) (laughs) I get my notes in order. And then number three, I called the one on Kronos, which I called Khan Mando. I see we're doing all this is going to be a recurring bit from now on, and, and, I, and I approve. <laughs> well, number four is kind of uh, more boring. I called Enterprise versus Marcus. All right. And it, I think that was the ship was called the Vengeance, if I remember right. Yeah, it was pretty cool looking. It's a tough looking ship. It was. The other one I called Navigating the Debris Field when they have to like fly through the debris field and board the ship. Mm-hmm. And the other one I called Boarding Party, where they actually board the ship and they shoot everybody to pieces and. Khan kicks the crap out of everybody. Then the other one I called Enterprise versus Khan. Right. And then the final one I called Spock versus Khan or I'm Vulcan mad. (laughs) Was it really Spock versus Khan or Spock beats the out of Khan? (laughs) He just whooped his ass. Well, Khan was laying into him there at first, man. But yeah, he he tapped into Spock's human side. (laughs) It's like watching Wolverine with the Berserker Rage. All those are great and a lot of fun. Which one did you pick? I really enjoyed Khan Mando. I thought that, <laughs> that was the coolest cool. scene when it's Khan and the and Kirk and his crew fighting off those Klingon uh, little birds of prey and all the Klingon uh, warriors down there. That was my favorite scene. Very, very cool. I did that thing where I cheated a little bit and combined two of yours. Okay. I considered it one action scene to navigate the debris field. Kirk and Khan teamed up and then all the way until they took over the bridge. The taking of the vengeance was sort of what I called it. And that's what I awarded my favorite scene to. Let me tell you something right now. It's the little details that make things better. They really got me when they were doing the navigating the debris field, the two humans, Kirk and Khan, zipping through space through a bunch of crap. The detail is when Kirk's mask starts to crack. Oh, yeah. And the little sound effect that goes with it. You know it's Kirk. You know he's going to live, but you're still like, oh, oh. Oh, this is going to be close. (laughs) Oh, come on. 
Oh, man. And then, and then they juxtapose that with Scotty being very funny with that security guard. Uh, are you no, starting to pri- private security? Because you look like private security. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I liked Kirk and Khan's team up to take the vengeance. That was my favorite. Also good. Well, let's score, man. Back uh, on Nathan Hayes, you and I both liked the battle on the battleship. You liked the tune of? I liked it to a tune of the seven. I think seven's about fair for that one. Well, we found the first round where I went a little lower than you. I thought it was a six. Okay. I thought all the battles in the movie were a six, which is, if you remember correctly, above average. And when you have that many above average battles, you have yourself a darn fine action film. But like we talked about before, it's 80s era of action shows a little bit now. Let's go into deep space. It's the final frontier, in case you didn't know, and find out what you scored. What did you score? Cod Mando, as you call it. Yeah, that battle on Kronos, I gave it a nine. Ooh, Jason is all about the action this round. I actually gave my Kirk plus Khan team up, taking to the vengeance, a seven. Ooh. Much like the other movie, I, I think this Star Trek is like a series of sevens, which is a really complimentary thing to say, but seven. I guess I'm, right. the, I'm the bummer on this round. It's such a sad note, but hey, we still have one round left to go, and let's let Jason take us there. All right, well, now we're going to go into the deduction round. It's the round for the ridiculous. Catch you f***ers at a bad time. Things that should not be. And are we going to take any points off of Nathan Hayes, Jared? I'm only going to take off one point from Nathan Hayes. And this has bugged me since I was a kid. And it bugged me when I watched it this time as well. At the very beginning of the film, Bully Hayes escapes the native tribe that has turned on him and his crew. And that native tribe has killed his entire crew. <laughs> and then in case you didn't take advantage of our spoiler warning, the rest of the movie is told in flashback as he recant, recounts, recant, what's the right word? Rec- as he retells. <laughs> he retells the story of how he got there. Anyways, here's what bothered me. At the beginning, he gets away. His crew is slaughtered. Through the backstory, you learn that he's actually very tight with this crew and they're quite the family. And as he gets away at the beginning, he's laughing and jovial about how he's gotten away. He's like, ha, ha, ha. Oh, hello, ladies. You know, it'd be like that breaking. I'm like, all your friends are dead. Yeah. Like, it was the wrong emotion to play at that moment. And it's always bothered me. You're right. I mean, maybe he was in shock. I don't know. I but guess, yeah, but it just doesn't seem right. I would me. rather have seen him more angry and vengeful than, mm-hmm. ha, 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 you know, and I was like, just felt weird. That's my only minus. You got any minus it's? Yeah, I'm going to minus it one from Nate and Hayes. That last scene with the ship chase mm-hmm. uh, between the German uh, steam, no, steam steam powered warship. powered warship and Bully Hayes' ship. I never understood why once they rounded that corner and they saw him just anchored there. Why they just didn't blow that ship out of the water? Why did they even bother to come up alongside it? And then when they come up alongside it, like that German ship is so much higher and looking down on the smaller mm-hmm. ship. It's like you can clearly see them. Like, hey, they're laying right there. Let's just shoot them all in the back. I mean, you have a bunch, bunch of German dude. Like, there's no way they should have won that fight. And there's just like <laughs> so much suspension of disbelief to get up to that moment that I got to give it minus one. All right. I guess I had suspended at that point because I hadn't noticed, but that's valid to me. All right. Well, what about Star Trek Into Darkness? Are you taking any points off? No, but I will make an adjustment. I'm giving Star Trek Into Darkness a plus one bonus here in round six, simply because it had Peter Weller. And I like Peter Weller. (laughs) I like Peter Weller, too. So I've loved him since RoboCop. I think he's great. And I gave a plus one just for him being there. It was one of those things where I was at the theater and I was like, oh, snap, it's Peter Weller. And it made me feel good inside. Yeah, anything with Peter Weller in it's pretty good, man. I got to admit. I'm going to minus it one. Okay. And I'm minusing it one because, again, because of the con angle. And I was doing some research into this. And I guess they didn't even tell Benedict Cumberbatch which character he was going to play. It was such a top secret thing that they brought the script over to him. A hard copy handcuffed to the wrist of somebody that was delivering it to him. And all that. And we all knew damn well it was con i mean it's like that is the worst kept secret if you really thought you were fooling anybody with that bs yeah it was a money grab and you tried to make it into some big secret and it just wasn't so no uh, yeah yeah i i remember kind of with the peter weller oh snap it's peter weller at the theater when he was like i am con i was like yeah i kind of figured yeah yeah we know we got it it's like inspector and he's like i'm blowfeld yeah yeah i know, I know yeah yeah we, we, <laughs> we were giving you every chance to back away from this mess but you're gonna go into it 
Oh, goodness. Well, guys, that's the end of the fighting rounds. Now, don't worry if you haven't been keeping up with the math at home, folks. We do that for you here at Action Film Face Off. And looking at the judges' scorecards, the winner of this episode of Action Film Face Off, with a score of 80 to 66, is Star Trek Into Darkness. Congratulations to Star Trek Into Darkness. You know what? Before we move on with that script, let's readdress something we talked about at the beginning. This movie is poo-pooed in Star Trek communities. We've watched it again. We've evaluated it with professional score sheets. How do you feel, man, at the end of the day? Do you think it deserves the poop? I do not think it deserves the poop. I think it deserves a lot of credit for being bold. Yep. <laughs> um, boldly going where, you know, another film people have gone before. Have gone before. <laughs> No, in all seriousness, you know, I think the studio got it wrong. I think the writers had it right, had the right idea, but the writers went along with it and somehow managed to make it work. And a lot of that's due to the acting abilities of Benedict Cumberbatch and the entire Enterprise crew. And I think that at the end of the day, when I watched the film, I was thrilled by the action scenes. My heartstrings were pulled by the emotional scenes. And I got a lot of thrills out of, out of the film as a whole. And at the end of the day, that's what you want. Was it a perfect film? No. Was it a good film? Absolutely. And I'm going to concur with you. And I'll tell you something that I didn't reveal at the beginning because I didn't want people to think this way or that before we went through the scoring. I saw this movie four times in the theater. Four times. And I didn't regret it. I, I thought it was a fantastic, fun thrill ride. And while you can pick it apart and make your comparisons to the other Star Trek films, which is valid. I'm not saying you can or you can't. I just, like you said, if I sit down my butt in that seat and it rivets my eyes and I enjoy the characterizations because that is what Star Trek is all about, is the characters and their relationships. I think it's a great film. So I also don't think it deserves the poop. We've taken a bold stand here at Action Film Face Off. They're going to come after us, Jared. I know they're, they're going to come after us. They're going to come after us. You're back to back. <laughs> you can't defeat us. We love Star Trek and we don't care who knows That's it. That's right. Throw on our berets and get back to back. But I guess back to the script before I hijacked. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get over to the randomizer and find out what the years are going to be for the next episode. And my brother Jared will be pulling a film from... Choose Your Destiny. 2006, and I will bring a film from Choose Your Destiny. 2004, what will those films be? We'll tease them on a social media for those of you who want to watch before listening, Dave. Or you can tune in next episode to find out. Until then, I'm Jason Weasel Skull Ulbricht, and you can find me on social media at Weasel Skull on Twitter or Jason Albrick on Facebook or Instagram. And you can find me, Jared Albrick, the Yard Sale Artist, a.k.a. Death Probe, at Yard Sale Artist. That's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. Be sure to check out all the shows under the Longbox Crusade umbrella by subscribing to Longbox Crusade on iTunes, Google Play, or pretty much all your finer podcatchers. Or you can go directly to www.longboxcrusade.com. And, of course, if you want to send us a question or comment, you can send it to contact at longboxcrusade.com, or you can hit us up directly on Twitter. We are at AFFO Podcast, and we do love to hear from you. Speaking of which, if you want to interact with us via live chat and be entered to win some free stuff on our live raffles, because we're always giving away free stuff, join us on our next episode of Doing It Live stream over on YouTube. We do them on the second Sunday of every month, and we usually start at about 3.30 p.m. Central Time. You can get signed up for that by looking up Longbox Crusade on YouTube. You can go there and subscribe. We'd really appreciate it if you'd be a subscriber and click that bell so you get notifications for when we go live. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. And until next episode, keep your head down. Your knuckles up. The intro and outro theme to this show and all of our action film face-off shows are done by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. Now it's important. Important? I'm a important. gangster. I'm like a Chicago gangster all of a sudden. Oh, all right. Now it's, it's important, important, see? It's important, see? <laughs>
Now it's important. Dang it. <laughs> Fall apart. Here we go. All right. So I've got you at Nathan Hayes. 27, 34, 33. Notes you have? Uh, sure. <laughs> Damn it. She's going to blow him away.